Welcome to the Hypervoice episode 99. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I'm your host, Steven Morioka, and I am here with Alex Underhill. Hey guys, happy to be back on the right side of the desk. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm also back, and uh, thanks once again to Alex, Rajan, Adi, and Justin for helping us out last week. Uh, you guys did a great show. I was uh, I was very uh, impressed. So, uh, you know, listening back to it and editing, of course, but the, uh, awesome show from from you folks there. And uh, Alex, we're going to start off with some uh, feedback for this episode here. One more before episode 100. We're just going to start with some feedback and some comments here. And these uh, actually come from our Facebook page. So the uh, first one here uh, comes actually from a few weeks ago from Eduardo Felice. I think I'm saying your name right there. I don't know. Uh, apologies if I mispronounced your name there. But um, some feedback he wrote uh, or that they wrote for us is that... Um, the casters are nice and always try and bring up interesting discussions, keeping them very fresh every new episode. So, um, Eduardo, thanks for that feedback. That is uh, awesome to hear that. Um, and let's be perfectly clear here. I'm the nice one. Alex is mean. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do try to establish that as my brand. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Eduardo, thank you for that recommendation on uh, Facebook and for the uh, comments there. And we also received a, another comment from on a post uh, from our a few episodes ago, um, this is from Alex, one of your opponents from Players Cup. So why don't you uh, go into this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, I just wanted to double check, man. I'm going to be wrong on this, but I think the first one is uh, Duck Pond. Um, who? Uh, wait, is it? No. Ah, uh, now we said the name on the last episode. You know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be wrong on that. So I'm just not going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to go further into it. Okay. Um, wait, let's... what first one were you talking about? First opponent or what? Uh, uh, the first comment, the, the feedback we got saying the casters oh. are nice. Um, I thought that maybe that was Duck Pond, but maybe it's not. Cause I, uh, I do not think that his last name was that. So, um, anyway, uh, if it is Duck, thanks for the feedback. If not Duck, please give us feedback. Come on, man. Uh, I know, I think you'd listen <laughs> to this. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this comment from Trent Harem, uh, who said, I was your round six opponent. Week two, round two, Alex. Cinderace, Rillaboom, Lapras, Comfy, Talonflame, NDDM, uh, or NDD Mail. I misplayed hard and overpredicted in the end game for game two. I almost went for a high jump kick into your Rillaboom, but decided against it as I was scared of a double protect and went bounce. Positioned by Cinderace well that game, but at the end I flubbed it. It was amazing to get the opportunity to play against such a great player in my first official tournament. And uh, yeah, this really brings me back to uh, my round two. It was a really... Uh, strange game going up against another Lapras Comfy team, though this was uh, the other route that we kind of talked about in the last episode. Uh, it was that, you know, side Giga Drain weakness policy Lapras um, with uh, something else that a lot of people have been doing lately, uh, Lapras and Talonflame, uh, kind of like how we saw in the kickoff invitational. A lot of people were using uh, Whimsicott Lapras, uh, not a lot of people, I guess it was just mainly Pokealix, but, uh, <laughs> like, it, it inspired a lot of people to try out that style of team, and a lot of people, you know, adapted it to have Talonflame when the new rules came out, uh, so this was just a, cut, a lot of things blended together on top of having Psychic Terrain, Cinderace to block priority and stuff, it was a very mess of a, of a matchup, I was just, you know, there was a lot of different things that, the way this could have gone, I ended up taking game one, and, uh, yeah, in the early game of game two against Trent, um, I was certain that I had lost. I was, uh, planning for game three. 
Uh, once again, I believe that uh, my dad and Gina were in the room uh, watching or something. And uh, maybe my dad left partway through. But uh, and like when he came back, he was like, you ended up winning that? And uh, yeah, it was really uh, crazy, um, crazy close of a game. Uh, yeah, it was just that, you know, that call in the end game. Uh, I didn't quite understand when uh, when I was there on the other side of it, why uh, bounce was chosen over high jump kick. But I, I guess there is the aspect of going for a protect to uh, to cause the recoil damage and stuff like that. I had not thought of that approach. So it was a very, very intense set. And I really did like uh, Trent's team. Awesome. So, uh, you know, thanks to both Eduardo and Trent for, uh, you know, giving us uh, comments and feedback on our Facebook page. So um, just reading some of that off here on the air. So I appreciate that. And I thought we'd give you both shout outs here for, um, you know, for leaving us stuff, you know, some feedback and comments and everything, which I've already said. But um, let's move on to the next thing, a bit of information. And uh, Alex, you actually mentioned this at the uh, end of last week's episode. Um, but that is, uh, we are, you may have heard we're on a bunch of new podcast platforms, and I just want to talk about some of the, uh, this expansion, uh, in the beginning of the show here, just to do some housekeeping. So, um, all these new platforms, which I'm just going to go over the list here and then talk about, uh, just a few things in more detail. Um, so you can find the show, The Hyper Voice, on Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes. Um, I think those are both kind of interchangeable. Um, CastBox. Castro, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, Overcast, Podbean, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and we are still submitting more uh, our our show to more uh, platforms. And sometimes it just takes a few uh, days or a week or two for to get approval for those. And uh, we're gonna update our posts in our uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, about where you can find us. So um, you can find us in a bunch of different places. And if uh, I guess an important thing to note is if there is a place or platform that uh we are not on and you would like us like like us to be on like to hear us on or maybe see us on uh let us know just let us know about that um if there's a platform we should submit to or if there's uh, some other place you'd like to see us um please just let us know and one thing about google play and google Podcasts is that um i think i mentioned a few episodes ago that google play um you know they're getting rid of the whole podcast section in there and um, while that is true, Google is moving in the direction of uh, transitioning that. Um, I looked up on, it's funny, like on my phone app, like I can't find our show anymore, but on the web, on a web browser on the computer, I can still find us on Google Play as well as Google Podcasts. So I guess we're on both at the moment. So um, I actually got an email about, you know, that whole transition um, earlier today, a few hours ago as at the time of recording. And um they're going to be transitioning, uh, like Google Play Music is changing to YouTube Music, and all the podcast stuff is moving to Google Podcasts. So um, right now, the show is on both those places, and eventually it's going to be only on Google Podcasts. So I'm um, just letting everyone know about that, and uh, we'll just mention both until that uh, change, you know, officially happens. Uh, it's supposed to be later in the year 2020, so by the end of the year or something. Uh, that's all i got to say about the platform expansion, and... Crazy to me. Next, uh, next thing is just the Hyper Voice 100. It's uh, it's gonna be our next show whenever we do that, and uh, I'm really excited for that one. That's gonna be a, a fun time. It's gonna be great to look back. Uh, we've got some ideas in mind on uh, different uh, different things that we're gonna bring to that episode. Uh, we want to make sure it's a good one. Uh, of course, uh, there's not a lot going on in the uh, VGC 
right now uh, just because of, you know, Players Cup ending and uh, the next stage not quite starting, and that only affects so many players anyway. So uh, it's going to be a lot of, like, you know, looking back, uh, talking about uh, where the show started and what it's become, and uh, it's going to be fun. That's right, and if you, the listener, would like to help uh, participate in that episode with us, um, you can leave us a question uh, for that show, for something for us to answer. Um, it can be, you know, as I mentioned before, Pokemon-related, related to VGC, or it can just be non-Pokemon-related, anything you want. Um, so that's uh, that's next episode, the Hyper Voice 100. And uh, the next topic I want to move us into is actually uh, from, again, a few weeks ago. And uh, Alex, you did commentary for a charity tournament. This was the Pokecasters Network um, charity tournament for Black Lives Matter, as well as the, uh, gosh, I, I know I messed up the name last time I was on here, but um, it was a charity tournament. Uh, why don't you just talk about your commentary, um, uh, or what you thought of your performance and you know how, how, what it was like for you? Yeah, so it was actually pretty fun. Um, like... It went better than I would have expected. There was only a, a couple of times where I felt like I had just kind of trailed on or talked nonsense. Um, but mostly, I, I was pretty uh, pretty satisfied with my first experience on commentary. It's uh, especially uh, helpful when you've got a experienced commentator working alongside you in uh, Brendan Lewis. And uh, I really enjoyed my, uh, my time with Brendan. We only ended up doing uh, two matches. And uh, it was actually uh, the same matchup both times uh, because of the way oh, that wow. things shook out. We were uh, basically watching somebody, uh, I do not remember the player's name right now, but they were doing a, uh, they were using a Rain Magnazone team or something like that. And uh, both times they went up against the same set of Pokemon uh, in top four and in finals, uh, some Cinderace hyper offense team. Uh, and they ended up playing that, uh, they had a rematch or something from Swiss in their top four. And then in finals, they were playing somebody new, but using the same team. So, uh, probably a couple of people who got together, uh, to build a team for this tournament and they were the ones finding success. Um, you know, when you find a hot team, uh, it can often lead to multiple players, uh, rising to the top with it. And so, uh, that was, I guess the case here. Uh, but it was really just kind of funny seeing the, uh, the same match, twice uh play out a little bit differently though of course i think both times went to three games i can't remember for certain i know that uh the finals was three games and it was uh, a pretty pretty fun set there was uh some interesting uh turns in there especially in game two game two the early games uh really threw things for a loop uh and yeah, I, I recommend, uh, I don't know if those are uploaded or not, but then if you wanted to go check those out, you could see how I did on commentary. I'd appreciate any tips from anybody that uh, does care or uh, has any. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't have uh, too much else to say. It was a fun time, and uh, I'd probably do it again. I don't think I'd ever uh, consider commentary seriously as a full-time thing, because I still do very much enjoy playing uh, in the events that I choose to you know dedicate my time to. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I think that's the, just the main point where I stand is that I'm, I'm still very much a player. Um, and I, I will see if that changes in the following years. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, this isn't true for everybody, but you know, commentary starts, you starts leading you down the path to retirement. So, um, mm. that is, mm. you know, it's for some people it's true for others. It's not, but I um, just wanted to clarify those charities were uh, Black Lives Matter, as well as the Ch Children's Miracle Network. Um, 
Another prizes were for the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital Foundation. So uh, shout outs to Matt Collins for um, you know hosting all this and all that summer charity series throughout the uh, summer. Um, you know, great causes to uh, try and support here. And um, I wanted to ask you between you and Brendan, um, were you color or play by play? I was uh, color. I was the one just kind of uh, talking about the flavor of the game, uh, moves that, not exactly reading the moves, but just, you know, talking about thoughts into the, you know, reaching into the players' minds kind of thing. And I think you just mentioned, like, you you were kind of saying it was kind of easier than you expected? Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I found that with Brendan doing the color part, uh, though that, you can imagine... Um, might be simple. I don't know. There, there's just an element of uh, the transition that Brendan is really strong at. You know, it, it, we keep the conversation moving while also still covering the plays. There's, you know, long animations. Brendan just kind of knows when to turn it on and off. And uh, that really helped so that it just kind of felt like he and I were really just talking about the game except for the parts where he kind of just needed to read moves. And uh, so, like, while I was doing uh, exclusively color, Brendan was also helping me out there. Okay, cool. So, yeah, just clarifying, Brendan was play-by-play, you were color, and um, I guess last question I have for you about the uh, commentary you were on is, uh, what was what was the hardest thing about doing it, in your opinion? Uh, the hardest thing is, and I, I made the mistake that I, you know, tried, uh, or I guess told myself beforehand that you're not supposed to do, is uh, kind of like presume the play that should have been made or, you know, talk about like maybe better plays or something like that. Uh, and I guess before the turn talking about the play that again should be made or something like that as a, uh, as a competitive player uh, when I'm, you know, amongst friends spectating a game or something like that, we're always uh, searching for optimal plays. Honestly, it's almost like a little like practice exercise, you know, so that when you're in that situation, it makes it easier for you, you yourself to recognize, but for commentary, uh, it's not necessarily uh, correct to do just because, uh, one, it can make players look bad when, you know, they're on the spot. They're, uh, you know, they're not the ones sitting back there with nothing on the line, uh, able to analyze what might be the best route or something like that. And uh, two, you know, you might not always be right and you do not want to uh, get caught off guard like that, you know, saying you think this is the correct play and then they, they show you up and you just look bad. So it's really just not a uh, line of thought you're supposed to go down, but I know that I did it at least a couple of times. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause you know, we're both players here and uh, you know, you know, you're pretty much taking one side generally when you're playing, um, obviously looking at the perspective from the other uh, player too, of what they might do. Um, but uh, yeah, like you are saying, kind of, you need to be, it's important to stay neutral uh, while doing commentary and uh, kind of just you know reading the plays and uh, what's happening as well you know you know kind of trying uh, trying to explain and understand why somebody made a certain move on a certain turn. Yeah, it's more so like saying, oh, they need to preserve the health on their Incineroar uh, instead of saying uh, they need to switch this Incineroar out on this turn right now. You know, it's more so just making like a general sweeping comments that cover the the state of the game than just saying, this is the move, this is the play for this turn. Yeah, so uh seems like commentary um, was, you know, pretty successful successful for you the, the in that uh, event a few weeks ago. So um, shout-outs to Brendan, uh, Mike, Kevin, Zach, and uh, Dozer for also doing uh, commentary for that tournament. And uh, so 
I want to just move us on here to uh, another topic for this episode here. And uh, that is just on the topic of uh, open team sheets, which we've uh, had throughout the uh, Players' Cup in July here. It was also in the kickoff invitational back in June, and I'm presuming this will still go on for August uh, for those last 16 players uh, coming up. So um, one thing I just want to talk about is just, uh, you know, open team sheets for these uh, online events. You know, you, you talked about it with the cast last week um, that, uh, you know, all, all the details and uh, opinions about that. I just wanted to say, like, I think they are pretty much going to be necessary for any uh, official online events moving forward. Um, in terms of, like, grassroots stuff, like, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's up to the event whether they want to do that or not. I, I imagine most of them try to mirror what is happening with the official events at the moment. So uh, I've seen a lot of that with, uh, you know, those tournaments have been having open team sheets because Players' Cup had open team sheets too. So um, since that, you know, change was instated. Um, but I want to talk about here what we think about having open team sheets at in real life events whenever those come back in the future. So I kind of want to talk about the feasibility of it. Um, we talked, we talked about, or actually the cast last week talked about how, um, you know, it impacts you a little differently playing the game, uh, knowing information versus not having that information. Um, so why don't we just talk about like what having, uh, or I guess how we could have open team sheets at in real life events. Yeah, so an important aspect of it is uh, that information being public knowledge beforehand. Um, an event that I always like to bring up is the, and I can't remember the name of it, Oregon, I think. It was Oregon, uh, the first best of three event, I believe, uh, or one of the first. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about, the regional in Oregon, I think it was? I do, I do. It was like uh, February 2016, because um, mm -hmm. we had just come from... Collinsville, where it was a uh, one-game Swiss, single-game Swiss, and a uh, best-of-three top cut. And oh, and we both the... cut that one. Man, we were best-of-one yeah. champs. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we find out either it's like the event was either a week later, maybe the same week. No, I think it was a week later, two weeks later. And they had uh, best-of-three for the whole thing. Yeah, but they were not told until they arrived. Uh, That's right. And so this is something that I always uh, like to bring up. Um, one player that I... Uh, always remember with this uh, memory of that event was uh, Randy Qua, a uh, a very well known player, very accomplished and uh, veteran player. We've had him on the show, uh, who had showed up to the tournament, and I remember seeing their like comments on Twitter, basically saying, you know, this was uh, this surprise really kind of hurt my performance as I had not built a team for this, and. This is kind of uh, similar to how I feel about the open team sheets being at IRL events, it it changes what you are building for. We talked about this on the last show, and uh, I still think I need to bring it up again here. Um, you build teams differently depending on the structure of the tournament. Uh, I don't think the fact of the tournament being double elimination changed too much about what I was uh, bringing or building or anything like that uh, versus the tournament being Swiss. Um, but the open team sheet aspect changes, uh, a lot of things, you know, you, uh, you no longer have to worry about Cinderace potentially having, uh, nine, all nine of the different attacks that it can run, uh, that are all like real, like potentially viable between like U-Turn, Ironhead, Giga Impact, all of them. There's so many. And it's just, it really simplifies the game so that you know, what are your, uh, what are your options on that turn, um, 
and I don't know. It, it really changes the gameplay, but also I do think it changes the uh, the building quite a bit. Uh, there's going to be a lot of options that uh, maybe you would plan to just use to steal a game. Even though uh, it is best of three uh, at this point, we, pre- we pretty much exclusively play best of three. Uh, unless you're talking about the online uh, ICs, uh, those international challenges. Um, we exclusively play best of three. And so uh, surprise techs are usually at best used to steal one game uh there's still some of those teams that say like you know haha what if i had enough memes on my team to win one game and then go with a different silly strategy in the second game and just win my two games that way um usually that spreads your team kind of thin but uh the idea is that uh with open team sheets you might not be able to pull that off at all that's true. And uh, one thing that really struck a chord with me was uh, Justin's analogy on the last show to kind of like playing uh, poker. So uh, if you're, uh, you'll play poker differently if, you're, uh, if your opponents know what your hand is compared to if they don't. So, um, you know, normally they play um, with the cards face down so that only you know what you have. And you can presume, you know, what they have based on how they've been behaving and what they've uh, been doing um, as the um, next few um, cards come up. Um, for whatever poker game style poker game you're playing, and um, you know, likewise when you're in the playing in the games against an opponent, you know, you're trying to gather information um, about the uh, team and the Pokemon from uh, game one, uh, how to move forward for game two and potentially game three. But um, you know, everyone has this built-in uh, knowledge of what every Pokemon can do, right? The move sets, all that. So um, you can presume based on either team composition or um, how your opponent's been reacting on certain turns on what they may may or may not have. But, you know, with the open team sheets, you'll either know that, and if not, then you're going to be, uh, you know, working as a player to try and uh, figure that out and what your best options uh, and safe options are, too. Yeah, there's there's been a number of events where uh, you've seen a, a player lose a game and it might be just because they were covering for something they did not even know about. You know, they they had said, you know, oh, I'm going to do this option to cover for Roar on that Incineroar. And, you know, then after the fact, you see that that player didn't even have Roar or something like that. Something that I think uh, can't be uh, undervalued is reading your opponent and your opponent's team to determine what they have on uh, on their Pokemon. You know, uh, for example, uh, something that I could imagine is that if you're running a hard trick room team and you lead with your typical trick room setup, your opponent is going to uh, usually, like most of the time, if they're experienced, be able to tell or, you know, be able to identify their counter trick room like mode or lead or whatever you want to call it. And so when they send out that Incineroar in the lead, you might be asking yourself, okay, I, I imagine this probably has Roar. You know, that is the reason that they went with this Pokemon, you know. Uh, I'm oversimplifying it because, you know, maybe they wanted to fake out or maybe they're psychic terrain, you know. With the current meta, maybe that's not exactly something that's done often. But you get what I'm trying to say is that uh, when, when your opponent, uh, you know, makes a move or, uh, you know, especially if you are familiar with your opponent... Uh, you are able to start to read into them and figure out what the options that they might have selected for their team are. You know, uh, a lot of people in this current meta, um, 
are running like not a lot, but you know, Rillaboom sometimes runs high horsepower, the uh, ground coverage move for it. Uh, some of them want to be able to hit Magnazone or Incineroar or whatever. Uh, and you know, maybe you look at the team and say, okay, they have no ground coverage, they have no way to hit Magnazone super effectively. Maybe Rillaboom has the you know ground or fighting move or something like that, and I think that's a valuable skill that uh, we've developed over the years, and I think it's a valuable skill to have in the game, is that uh, that ability to uh, accurately read into what your opponent's team needs uh, and what would you know what you would expect them to have, reading their level of a player, uh, you know, saying like, uh, or you know, just reading a player that you've played before. You know, if you're playing against somebody that you're familiar with, you might, you know, know their tendencies. And so that's just like something that I really think uh, you can't have with open team sheets. Yeah, so I hope nobody's uh, getting too comfortable relying on the crutch of the open team sheets uh, format uh, like that. So um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, or move into talking about the actual literal physical presence of a team sheet or maybe uh, some sort of online method um, at these um, at events. So let's assume we have uh, in real life events in the distant future, far distant future, based on how everything's going right now. Uh, we're not going back to events anytime soon. At least uh, that's what I think. Um, I'd be surprised if we go back anytime soon. But um, let's just uh, assume in the future in real life events, right? Um, regionals, internationals, whatever. Uh, maybe maybe these things will apply differently, you know. How could this be implemented? I know for locals, like um, Premier Challenges, Midseason Showdowns, like that probably could be handled a little easier on paper. But uh, imagine if uh, you're trying to kind of do the same thing online, um, in person. It's like, you know, you submit your team to Arcanine Labs, to the link, or whatever it was, and uh, you need to... Uh, get that your you need to get that link from your opponent to uh, open up that uh, you know quote unquote team sheet right and uh, you know we play at in real life events you know in these convention centers and these hotel basements and oh wow I mean that sound kind of creepy uh, <laughs> in these in these um, hotel beautiful hotel ballrooms at the uh, bottom level of the building um, but you know we play these things where um, the internet you know it's okay and. Um, however, you got to consider how many people are trying to access this at the same time. And you know, if you consider um, trading card game TCG going on too, um, and maybe they have something similar going on, um, that's going to be a hassle. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to um, look up my pairings for the next round on my phone. My phone doesn't want to load, and I have to ask uh, Gina or somebody else, hey, can you look at my uh, next match for me? Like, who am I playing? Or I have to wait for the paper pairings to go up on the board, right? So... I don't see that super feasible in a, in an event as well as like, you're not supposed to be having your phones on the tables anyway, or any other electronic device. To, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's true. You're not supposed to have any, anything like that on the, on the tables, uh, during play. And, you know, um, in the past, all of our events have been, you know, really tight spaces too. Like you've seen with the whole, uh, switch setups, uh, recently, well, not recently, but like, you know, back in early 2020, when we still had, uh, in real life events, you know, the crazy land setups for the, uh, switches to be able to play each other um you know that's a big issue you know trying to access stuff on your phone um and not everybody has smartphones you know some people believe it or not still use flip phones and some people may just not have cell phones at all and don't even get me started like with uh trying to get this with the senior and junior divisions too so uh I've, i'm coming at you here steven with a simple solution sure that should still allow this to work and um Essentially, we're just going to go physical. We're going to have printed uh, paper 
and you every uh, every player at the tournament is going to be responsible for filling out two uh, two team sheets. One with all of the information that the judges will have to hack check you to make sure that your Pokemon stats are not changing or anything like that. Uh, and then that uh, that same team sheet that we saw from the Players Cup, uh, where you put in everything there except for the stats, like we had uh, like we had seen, and you uh, as the player are responsible for bringing every to every round that sheet, that sheet that has your team uh, with you know without the stats to every round and giving it to your opponent. Then you hand them that physical version. Uh, we would probably have to set in line like some kind of like penalties if you know you don't bring it or uh, like you know probably just like a a, a match loss or a disqualification um, or you know if your opponent That's intentionally harsh. I don't know I mean like the whole point of it would be like you know you are maliciously hiding that information uh, or you know you could be uh, so you'd have to like you know you'd have to be ready maybe maybe at least give the players like a uh, uh, um, you know, five to ten minutes to fill out another one if uh, if uh-huh. it was a mistake or something like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, if like if wallets you're in your opponent's hands, if they do something like that, then they are you know liable for it. And uh, if they tamper it uh, with it at all, then they could be subject to penalties. Uh, that's the boring part, though. Uh, but what I'm trying to get at, though, is uh, you know, you you give them this sheet, and it's a physical copy that you bring with every round, and then afterwards you uh, you give it back. Um, I don't know how this would work exactly with note taking, um, and it would definitely um, favor those uh, that have a photographic memory or something like that, or just strong memories. Right. Uh, so that they could again kind of pass this information along to friends. But if you're allowing note taking, then they can literally just copy it all down and uh, give it out. Of course, this would be in a uh, the this would be in an open team sheet tournament. So not only are you not worried right. about your opponent right. finding out what you're using, um, because you know they'll see it when they play you. Um, but yeah, in these in these type of tournaments, if people want to find out what you're using. Uh, they will. They. It's going to happen. It's not something you should worry about avoiding. So it, it's not really a problem if they do copy this stuff down, if they do memorize it. But that's just kind of a, a way that you could do it physically is to have every player bring with the sheet for, to share with their opponent. And then, of course, turn in a team sheet to the judges for hack checking purposes. Okay. So uh, just, you know, a few counterpoints here is um, what if, you know, we, what if you get really lucky in a game and your opponent just gets super mad, which uh, isn't uh, unrealistic at some of these events, and you know they get so mad that they crumple up your sheet or they tear it up? Yeah, then I already, I already covered this. I already covered this, man. I said that when they have the sheet, they're liable for it. And if they, so then what? What happens with you? You have to fill out another one for the fu- all future rounds? Huh? No, you have to fill out a f- another one, but they give them a game loss or something, you know? Oh gosh. Uh. Well, yeah, no, I'm no, not gonna. Not, no, 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 no. I no. guess that we're not gonna like you know pander to the. I don't want to call them babies, but like I don't want to the, the people that they are babies. <laughs> I don't want to pander the people that are crumbling up sheets. You know, if they if they need to crumble a sheet, crumble one from your notebook. You know, smash your <laughs> break your own switch in half. Um, you know, don't <laughs> don't mess with my stuff. Um, yeah, that's really like my. Uh, so I don't know my main thought there. In this post-COVID era, whenever that's over, 
You know, we're going to be passing around sheets, you know, that everyone else has touched. I know that's not the way that the uh, virus usually spreads, but what about other just regular sicknesses? Um, here's, an, here's another more important one, actually. Um, what about uh, different languages? So think about internationals or uh, oh, no. even like even some players can you can choose. I know like what Paul Chu is uh, 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 one I can bring up here. He tends to play his game not in English. He uses, uh, I think, either Japanese or Chinese, uh, depending on his preference there. So, um, you know, I know typically you're supposed to fill out a team sheet in the same language that your the game you're playing on is in. So how's that going to work with filling out a team sheet for every single opponent you play? Like you just want to have your one in your language, but I don't want to have to be, you know, translating this, you know, for every different opponent. Say in an international, I could be playing multiple different language uh, opponents. I, I I have been stopped. Yes, that that I do not have a counterpoint for this. Um, this is something that you would have to rely on the uh, online version for, and uh, that was never something I was going to uh, contest because I do fully agree with you that. You know, the certain venues, the internet can be terribly spotty, uh, and I do not like uh, the idea that you would have to rely on players being able to connect to the local Wi-Fi or using their own data. I do appreciate that we still print out those pairings every round so that people can look at them there uh, and, you know, just kind of like if you, if you really needed to, just, you know, store away the cell phone for the entire tournament as you won't really need an internet connection. Uh, to play. I don't want that to become a requirement that you need a internet connection on a mobile device or something. Um, so, yeah, then I, I do not know how you would handle the uh, the language barrier. Um, that is a very good point to bring up. Yeah, so with just with all this said, like, I just don't know how feasible this could be as a rule in, uh, in real life events moving forward. Um, you know, online, we've seen it been uh, pretty successful just with uh, being able to translate into multiple different languages and uh, it's pretty accessible when you're at home and you have internet and you know you, you can assume if you can connect your switch to compete against other players um, that you can open up a link to see the opponent's team so um, yeah I don't know like moving online it'll be fine in person um, kind of questionable don't know yeah yeah I, I, I agree I it's not something that I really wanted to see at IRL events anyway, so I'm uh, I'm not too torn up by the uh, infeasibility, if that is a word, uh, infeasibility of it. Uh, but yeah, like I, I I would definitely say I prefer what we what we had with the whole uh, information scouting um, in, during the game. Um, and not just talking about that, like you know the strength of friend networks. That uh, there's nothing that can really be done about that. Exactly. But what, I, what I'm talking about is, you know, just reading reading the board, reading the game, reading your opponent, uh, reading their play. Um, you know, the, I just I really do think that's uh, something that I enjoy having in the game, as well as the ability to run the uh, surprising tech move here or there. Um, you know, there's a, there's only so much that you can memorize in the game, uh, you know, there's going to be times where the Incineroar reveals Snatch, and you're like, oh man, I forgot it even got that. You know, there's going to be some some weird moves that people are able to pull off. There's going to be some very uncommon picks, like, you know, Roar on a Pokemon that you would not expect it to be on. Uh, so, and I, while I don't want that uh, to be the pinnacle of the game, the main focus, um, I, I think that having... That alongside best of three is kind of what VGC is about. It's about, you know, 
safely in uh, accounting for your opponent's team. But then, you know, sometimes you have to just make the call that, okay, they don't have this because if they do, I, I lose anyway, you know, and I I do really love that about the game. Yeah, I do as well. And, um, you know, I think Pokemon made a smart move because I think they also did this for the trading card game is they made them have open deck lists available for their opponents too. So this has just been an adjustment from uh, TPCI um, over the summer due to um, COVID, of course. So um, these are adjustments you have to make for playing uh, online tournaments. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see whatever happens moving forward um, regarding this. Something that I do want to mention before we move on from this subject, and I wanted to mention this in the last episode or maybe when we were talking about it, Stephen, um, is the the idea that this doesn't have to be the case for online. Um, right now, it very much does so, uh, does need to be the case, just because we do not have a uh, a battle box locking yes, system yes. or anything like that that we can do over the internet. I think that something like that is not too difficult to establish. Again, like, I am really, really uh, reading into the complexity of those at uh, Game Freak um, setting this up. Maybe it is very complex, and that's why it's not already, already in the, not already in the game. What I'm trying to say, though, is that I think it is possible. I think it is very possible that something like that could exist in the game where... You know, you sign up for an online competition like we've uh, done so many times in the past years, uh, you know, using our our competition systems, our 3DSs, our Switches, um, you know, registering for that tournament. And then uh, it locks your box and uh, you can't uh, you cannot take your Pokemon out. If you do have like third party software, there are people that know how to tamper with the Pokemon in that box. to you know change it while it's already locked so that that is an issue that exists and why it's not a perfect system that's why you need the added uh added feature of like you know after every match or something or maybe every couple of matches when you do hack checks it just sends the information to the i guess tpci server or to you know the tournament hosts tournament judges what have you tournament staff uh it it sends it to them and then they are able to uh, you know, look at it and compare it to what they had before, or they could just have a, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty easy uh, to have a, some kind of system in place, compare it to what it, uh, what it received before, just having a little data file for every player that uh, it could compare to and make sure that it, uh, nothing has been tampered with, nothing's been changed uh, because um, I don't know uh I don't know exactly how else you would find a workaround for those people, but uh, I do think that uh, it's definitely possible to lock the boxes online. Uh, I think that it can be possible, and I'm curious if we'll see like anything like that in the uh, coming uh, months. I guess if we continue to have online tournaments, maybe uh, you know whenever you know up until whenever we have IRL events again, we don't know, but. Yeah, I, I if we do do online tournaments going forward, kind of like Players Cup. Uh, I'm wondering if that's a possibility, if they'd have some kind of game update. Yeah, I actually really like that. Um, I think uh, this is uh, speculative from my end, but um, isn't there a way right now, like, anyone can host their own, like, uh, tournaments in-game, like, uh, online and stuff? Like, you can set set certain rules and everything, so, and then uh, you can play within a given time period or something. I don't know how exactly that works. I think they were ladder tournaments, though. Oh, they're ladder tournaments, Okay. 
you know, kind of like what we know the, yeah. uh, the international challenges to be, you know, those, um, you just get the most points in like huh. three hours or something like that. Kind of like you start at 1500, what we know. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think that it's something that could be possible. Um, it's just kind of on, you know, my wish list of things that would be nice to add to the game. Uh, other things being, um, the, uh, re the replay functionality, uh, would be really nice. And, uh, spectating, a spectator mode would be really yeah, like nice. Online. <laughs> uh, and then I, I, I do know, I do know for the singles players, like a lot of them want the, uh, the timer increased as well like i think you can only have up to a 20 minute timer for single battles and that really just kind of yeah, this... does not work for how long singles battles go so I, I know that like sword and shield like actually i just on a little tangent here not really related to our vgc content here normally but i know that uh sword and shield kind of like killed wi-fi battles uh, which is really sad to hear. Like, I, I had only learned about this recently in the past couple of months. Uh, I do watch a couple of uh, single uh, battle, like, Smog on OU YouTubers and stuff like that. And uh, I had only recently learned from them a couple in the past couple of months that uh, Wi-Fi has pretty much destroyed 6v6 singles because of that 20-minute timer that you cannot disable. I remember in the past years, we had the, the full 60 minutes, and that, I, I imagine, was enough. Uh, considering you can get a battle done on Showdown uh, in less than half that. You could probably reasonably do it then uh, in-game, assuming you're not facing, I guess, like, you know, full stall or something. But uh, that's just, like, another small change that I... Uh, I That one's, like, a really small change. Like, come on, just free the timer. Like, just, just raise the number. <laughs> like, you just, just scroll the wheel up so that the cap is no longer 20. Like that—that's an easy fix that I know a lot of people have been asking for. But yeah, the, other than that, like the the you know those other important VGC wish list wish list items that I had mentioned, uh, you know, it'd be nice to be able to save our replays. It'd be nice to have a spectator mode, and it would be nice to have some type of battle box locking features so that we don't have to do open team sheets, even if it's uh, the preferred method. I'd like to say, like, I'm just really sad to hear about that about the uh, singles meta game and those players, like uh, that we can't that they can't change the time and they are kind of killed um their their ability to play online like that so yeah you're right it's an easy fix you know let us adjust that uh timer in five like five minute increments or something from uh zero uh all the way you know to no limit all the way up to like the 60 minutes or something so um whatever like that that needs to change and like uh you know one thing you, you know, it was probably a year ago or something um uh, it was you who were saying like uh you know we should have a uh spectator mode for the switch on sword and shield when that comes out and uh, we did end up getting that, so maybe we will eventually get an update to the game being able to lock battle boxes for um, the competitive, you know, VGC stuff coming up. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see, though. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I, uh, I, again, yeah, just hoping, hoping, hoping that we get something like that added into the game. I don't, I don't know when our next, uh, if we're going to get anything until uh, the next DLC, you know? uh crown tundra will maybe bring with it i don't know if we saw any other like we definitely saw some quality of life pr improvements um with crown tundra i don't know if we saw anything that was just like nice for non-dlc users i don't know if they changed anything like hmm. top level uh that i can think of i mean like isle of armor stuff um simple things is obviously like the battle ready symbol we talked about that already um, another thing is like when you're changing, when you're hitting like plus on your, uh, controller to kind of shift through the different, I don't know if it's plus, is it plus? Is I think it's plus to shift through, 
to hit through the shift through it's the close. different um you know stats you can look at your pokemon stats the uh, picture of it or um the ivs of it and uh before you couldn't like see what is it ability and uh there's something else that's held item or something I know what you're talking about the the stat display screen when you're yeah, looking at a Pokemon in you. your box. Uh, you know they 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 updated the uh, UI for that kind of yeah, like small they just they quality changed of life updates. You know what? Uh, I guess didn't it come with uh with Isle of Armor the uh, the ability to see your opponent's team while selecting in team preview? Yeah, that too. That that's a, that was a big one. Yeah, that's like the the biggest one I can think of right now uh, is you know something like that. So. Well, the things that I think we mentioned in this wish list here are bigger than that. Uh, so, the, and like, I'm talking bigger, like, they would make a bigger impact, but also, uh, I imagine they would be harder to code and set up and blah and whatever. So, I think that they would require more effort and are not necessarily an easy thing. But if that's something that they were, uh, you know, working towards in these past couple of months, maybe they could include it with the uh, Crown Tundra. Again, just being being real hopeful here. Of course. And uh, I want to keep us on this being hopeful train and uh, talk about something that uh, happened on week three of TPCI's official stream for the Players' Cup for VGC. And uh, they they gave us some little cup action. That is so cool. So um, this was, again, a caster's uh, matchup here of Adam versus Lou once again. And uh, I did not actually watch the game. Alex, I don't know, I don't know if you did, but I saw a picture of their teams here. So I'm just going to run through their Pokemon, and we can talk about the concept of Little Cup uh, VGC. Maybe we'll get that as a format in the future. So Adam had Riolu, um, Rufflet, Sneasel, Onyx, Cottony, and Ghastly. And uh, Lou had Drifloon, Corphish, Duskull, Litten, Purloin, and Meowth. So um, Little Cup VGC, can we please have this? You know, I uh, I am very much uh, about this. I think that it would be, uh, like, it's been done by uh, a lot of people just uh, on the side for unofficial tournaments online. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever got anything... Uh, man, we, we've talked about this before, but Steven, remember when they did, like, fun, uh, like, tournaments, uh, official tournaments every month or so? It was like, no, they would create fun ladder rule sets and tournaments, yeah. It was back in, like, Gen 6. Gen 6, they did some fun stuff with, like, the, the VGC UU. Remember yes, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, VGC underused, uh, I guess is what it stands for. Uh, they didn't actually call it that, but they just banned the top 30 or so Pokemon. Uh, they did, like, Spooky Cup. I don't know. And then there was, like, a, uh, what was it? It was the fast one? What was the... It was, like, speed playing. Like, you only had, like, 10 seconds. It was, of, like, the Extreme uh, Speed Blitz or something. There's also another yeah. one where there was, like, no Megas or something like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun ones. Gen 1 Cup, where you had no items, but you yes, just, still yes, just yes, had yes. exclusively Gen 1 Pokemon. I need that to come back. Those were really fun. Um, and that would be a fun way to do something like Little Cup VGC. Or, uh, as I kind of mentioned to Stephen before we had uh, started recording here, I think Little Cup VGC could be something that we could do for a couple of months. Uh, kind of uh, along the lines of what we saw for the 2019 season. You know, we had uh, different series throughout the year, and... Uh, I, I mean, Little Cup VGC could be pretty fun for three or so months. I mean, I could probably, uh, I don't know if I could say I could enjoy it for a whole year. I don't know how degenerate it is just having Pokemon <laughs> at level five, uh, especially if, uh, you know, Pokemon doesn't ban anything. I know that uh, in the singles metagame, uh, Little Cup does have to ban a lot of Pokemon because uh, certain uh, first evolution lines or I guess like, middle evolutions and what have you uh i guess middle cup middle evolutions are not allowed in little cup but you know certain 
uh, Pokemon are just not built for, uh, for you know, being level five. They have, like, much more impressive stats. Like, you right. know, Scyther, for example. Scyther was just built to be a regular Pokemon. And uh, so was Sneasel, sort of. Like, Sneasel does have pretty, like, weak stats for a standalone Pokemon, but very impressive when you compare it to the likes of, um, you know, Pichu or something like right. that. Any or, other or, or, like, Wurmple. Or Wurmple, you know, like, there's there's a lot of baby Pokemon that are going to pale in comparison. So I don't know if we would see any kind of bans like that from Pokemon, since that's not something we normally see, you know? Like, we're, we've called for bans of, like, stuff like Dark Void or, like, Smeargle and... Uh, you know, the, they like to keep their rule sets simple. You know, they, they want the Pokemon that are legal to be ones that are obtainable within their rule set. You know, the, it's pretty much just as simple as that. They don't normally ban Pokemon for power reasons. Um, in fact, that's never been the case, I don't think. They've never really banned anything for power reasons aside from, uh, you know, the restricted cover legendaries not being legal in uh, every year except those select few. Yeah, and other times it's just, like, items that, uh, maybe, like, Soldu is, like, the prime example here. Soldu has always been banned, as far as I know. Um, maybe, I don't know if it was due to accessibility, but, uh... It might have just been due to accessibility, is my guess there. I think that might just be it. Um, but, you know, that is something that essentially gives, um, Latios or Latias a calm mind right from the get-go. They get a plus one in their, both their special tech and special defense, uh, right away. So, something like that, but, um... You know, I know, like, standard Little Cup is always played at level 5. Like, there's no reason you can play, you can just, uh, like, auto-level to 50, just like regular VGC is. That's a very good point. The, you know, with the uh, evolution cancel thing that's been in the game since the start, I think, where you mash B, you can have level 50 baby Pokemon. Um, so there's nothing that stops you from uh, just doing that, you know. And, uh, yeah, we could probably do some fun stuff with that. I think that, uh, were they playing with level 50 on the stream? Do you remember? I think the picture I saw showed level 5. Yeah, they were playing mm-hmm. level 5. That's what the uh, picture indicates here. Yeah, that is an important distinction just because of just, like, interactions. Like, I know that EVs uh, don't, like... I don't know. Like, There's no reason to 252 a stat in Little Cup when you're level 5 or something like that. Like, 236 is enough. Their EV spreads look very bizarre. Um, even for something as simple as, like, a... Uh, physical offensive, like, sweeper, like Sneasel. If Sneasel was just max attack, max speed, it would be 236, 236. And then you could put the rest of the stats wherever else you want because (laughs) uh, you've already maxed out attack and speed. Um, But yeah, Little Cup, I think, could be pretty fun. Uh, I do love the idea of it. I do think it would be fun to get experimental in the uh, coming years. I don't know. um, Like, we... You know, going forward, we have the Crown Tundra to look forward to, and that is... What we'd almost like expect to be our 2021 format if we were to, you know, if we had a normal non-COVID year this year, mm-hmm. we probably would have seen, I don't know what we would have seen for Nats and Worlds with the release of that DLC, the Isle of Armor. Uh, that would have definitely been very strange and, you know, something that we've never seen before. So I don't know what to say about that. However, I can imagine that post worlds, um, we would be playing with the with the uh, Isle of Armor DLC, and we'd be playing with that until you know maybe the calendar year or when the DLC releases uh, in uh, the fall that uh, the Crown Tundra. And uh, yeah, I like I think it would be like that's kind of what we're expecting 
going forward. Um, I don't know if they have any, they haven't announced any plans for DLC beyond Crown Tundra. So I don't know if Crown Tundra would just be kind of it. And then maybe we would see that kind of third year format eventually that we're used to at this point, which is, you know, bring the legendaries in, uh, bring all those cover legends. They are going to be adding a good number of them with the Crown Tundra DLC, I believe. Is that, uh, that sounds right, Steven? Yeah, isn't it like all of them? It's not just a number. I think it's all of them. Mm. If I saw and that, that would, right. that would that would kind of line up, don't you think? Like they yeah. they're gonna bring back a lot of those uh those legendaries, those legal legendaries that we've become so so accustomed to seeing, like Landorus and Zapdos, and I guess you know this time Galarian Zapdos, uh, Tapu Koko, and all the uh, the Island Guardians, uh, Heatran. You know, just and and all of the legends of Sinnoh. There's like yeah. so many, <laughs> um, but you know, all of those legends that uh, we've seen in the format, um, and that that would be kind of a the format that we would expect with uh, Crown Tundra. As though they are making, uh, they are bringing you know Giratina and Dialga and Palkia and all of those big cover legends into the game. Uh, they would not be legal until uh, you know. I don't know. I, it's tough to say. We, I think we talked about this a couple of episodes back. Uh, there's no like precedent anymore. Like you know, they they do what they want. Like they they showed that in 2019 they can do three uh, three formats. Then they showed you know post Worlds 2019 Ultra. You know they just kept Ultra going. You'd expect it to have ended at Worlds and maybe something new. Considering the year before we got a new format in September. This time we didn't. So there, there's no pattern. There's no reading what they're going to do next, you know? No, not anymore. Uh, so, like, you know, we could have Crown Tundra mons uh, and stuff like that for, you know, maybe three, four months. And then maybe in April they just decide, actually, we're going to make the the cover Legends legal mid-year. And that's just going to be the, the format rolling out for the last couple of... Uh, again, if events were back. But, like, you know, the last couple of regionals, nationals, worlds. Uh, I guess NAIC. Uh, that's assuming events come back by then, which I, again, I really don't uh, know if that's possible. So the point I'm trying to make, though, is that, again, it's really tough to tell what we're going to see going forward. Um, and there's just so many possibilities. Uh, they've they've shown in the past that they, they can do fun, creative uh, formats, even if they are not for uh, VGC. And they, uh, they've shown that there's really not an established pattern. So they are allowed to do whatever they want. Uh, in terms of uh, what VGC's rules that could look like. Man, what a shakeup that would be if we just had the Restricted Legends in, like, mid-year. That'd be uh, that'd be quite unexpected. Um, but, you know, it's kind of bizarre. Like, can we just qu- really quickly talk about the D- uh, DLC in general for Pokemon right now? It's like, uh, this is definitely not the end. Like, there's, they're definitely, uh, they definitely have plans to eventually get the actual full National Pokedex into the game. In the future, so um, we're probably going to get, like, expansion pass uh, parts 3 and 4 or whatever in the future just to, like, fill out the rest of the Pokedex. It's also really bizarre to me that we're getting all these, like, regular legendary Pokemon before other um, general Pokemon that you see throughout the other games. Um, And that they'll probably be VGC legal before some of those other regular Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and there's going to be like a lot of Pokemon that are just going to miss their chance. Um, you know, a lot of uh, favorites. I don't know exactly uh, who we are like missing at this point um, in terms of the non-legendaries, uh, but I, I'm sure there are some like 
seriously strong VGC Pokemon from uh, years past that uh, we do not have at this point. Uh, man, I don't even know who's uh, who's still not in Sword and Shield. I don't quite. Uh, me, yeah, me neither. Have like, them memorized. It's, it's, it's too much. It's too much to keep track of. Um, and like, uh, I think like the total Pokemon count uh, available in the game after Crown Tundra is somewhere between like six hundred and seven hundred. Uh, maybe that's even too high of a of a number. But there's still like a good chunk of Pokemon still left to come in the game. I guess there's, like, a good number of uh, starters. Like, we're still waiting on, like, Greninja. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, Greninja's a, a pretty popular Pokemon that uh, we've seen that is not uh, legal for play yet. Uh, we've talked about it a bit, you know, in relation to Cinderace and how Libero Cinderace is really, really strong. And uh, the idea of, like, you know, what would Greninja be like with Dynamax and... Uh, there's like there's a couple of other Pokemon that are not in the game yeah, that are probably in similar boats. Pokemon that uh, we could imagine being strong uh, and, and very much enjoying uh, enjoying Dynamax. Yeah, that would be uh, that actually would make a great candidate for the uh, next inclusion or uh, update to our series here for series six. So um, you know, kind of just talking about the timeline here for the next uh, coming months is that. We have the uh, Players' Cup, the finals in August. You know, they're playing that either this weekend or the following weekend so that the casters have enough time to uh, actually cover those matches for the stream, which is happening in two weeks, I believe, August 21st through the 23rd. Um, We'll get to see all that uh, Players' Cup finals action there, and that'll conclude, like, the big summer event here. And, um, you know, Series 6, presumably, starts September 1st after Series 5. And all of our series have lasted about two months and uh, Series 7 would start us November 1st. The Crown Tundra, uh, if everyone has looked in their Nintendo eShop, uh, looked at the Crown Tundra, um, you know, that extra actual pack in there, the uh, late latest release date it shows in there is uh, November 30th, 2020. So I'm presuming we're getting that sometime in November. And then uh, Series 8, I would, uh, would start the year 2021, January 1st, uh, presumably when... Crown Tundra Pokemon would become uh, legal, just like Isle of Armor. They had to wait like two weeks until Series 5 started. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the future, at least my predicted future. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been right about all of our stuff the last eight, nine months of what we've been predicting. And uh, one question I have for you is, like, um, every series we've had in Sword and Shield, like uh, Series 1 was uh, when with November, December, didn't, uh, didn't include Gigantamax. That was just the beginning when the game came out. Uh, series 2 gave us 10 Gigantamax Pokemon to start with. Series 3, the big update there was 10 more Gigantamax Pokemon. And uh, as well as the starter lines of Squirtle, Bulbasaur, uh, Litten, Popplio, and uh, Rowlet were included there. Series 4 gave us all the Gigantamax Pokemon to play with. And then Series 5 gave us um, those uh, other Gigantamax Pokemon of uh, Rillaboom, Cinderace, Venusaur, uh, who am I missing, Blastoise, and Inteleon. And uh, as well as Isle of Armor Pokemon. So I guess the big question here is what kind of we've had updates every series so far. Do you think there's going to be or what do you think may come for series six? All right. So while Steven was rambling on there, I uh, <laughs> did end up looking into uh, some of the highlight Pokemon that are not yet in the game. Uh, some, you know, big VGC picks. Uh, we don't have Smeargle. Smeargle is, of course, a very relevant one. Oh, my um, gosh. And then uh, another one that just, like, is strong in, like, those limited deck formats uh, and will not get the chance to shine is uh, Garchomp. Garchomp usually is pretty cool until Landorus comes around. Uh, and so uh, Garchomp will probably be not getting here 
before Landorus, unless we see some kind of weird rule restrictions or anything, and it does come with the uh, Crown Tundra, but Landorus yeah, is not I actually think they're both coming legal. in at the same time. I think they're both coming with that. <laughs> at least Garchomp has, going for it, the uh, the sick ability to be side-ice sharded with weakness policy so that it can Dynamax, but, you know, Landorus can do that too and go for Max Airstream and Max Ground. <laughs> oh, God. Max Landorus. Not looking forward to you. Um, there's a lot of other small picks, like, you know, uh, other pseudo-legendaries, um, in, uh, Metagross, and Salamence, and, um, Dragonite. Just some other, uh, just other noteworthy Pokemon, you know, just stuff that we've seen do well in, uh, VGC, but I think the main one that, uh, I am not looking forward to would be, uh, Smeargle, if Smeargle were to come back. Man, can you imagine what that thing could do in a Dynamax format? Um, anyway, uh, to respond to, uh, whatever Steven said earlier, um, I would say that I'm expecting probably nothing, but if anything, it would be, uh, something like we had saw, we had seen, um, with the release of Incineroar. Uh, maybe they bring back a couple of Pokemon, uh, with, like, a home, uh, kind of update, um, was that how we ended up getting Incineroar uh, and all those guys? Did they come with Pokemon Home? Was that what it was? Uh, I don't know if they were gifted to us, but like they just they were, I guess they were already to be able in the to... game. They were already programmed in the game. They were right? okay. Um, I don't know. Then I have no idea. I don't know if there's any Pokemon that uh, after Isle of Armor are just kind of sitting around and people are like, oh, and now these ones are programmed in the game. I remember. Uh, when, you know, the games had released and they were being data mined and stuff, uh, people were talking about how, like, oh, you, you know, you could get Lunala in this game, it's just there's no way to obtain it, but it's, the, the files are here for it. And then eventually Home came out and it turns out you can get your Lunala in the game and you can Dynamax your Lunala if you're, uh, you know, playing a format that allows it, which would just be, you know, probably amongst friends. What if that's um, it? What if that's just it? You know, like, I've also seen Mewtwo and, like, Zekrom and Reshiram or something. They can all come into Sword and Shield. What if that's the change? <laughs> what are you, wait, what are you saying? The the change What if is... uh, What if those restricted Pokemon become illegal now? Oh, oh are you saying before the uh, Crown Tundra we're going to oh, get yes. that? Uh... Yes. Because <laughs> there's only a handful of them. It's not all of them. So it's kind of like you only have a few to pick from. So it would be kind of a funky metagame. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the current um, current legendaries are not even capable of Dynamax. They have uh, purposefully prevented them uh, from being able to Dynamax. Of course, they have given them moves that help against opposing Dynamax, though um, that's just through doing regular damage to them. Their HP are in no ways doubled and are still going to get deleted yeah. by some very <laughs> strong uh, max strikes. Uh, or not max strikes, just max moves, I mean. Um, so... Yeah, I, again, my, my prediction is maybe we get some Pokemon uh, added in, a la, like, Incineroar. Maybe that's how we get Greninja. Maybe we get Greninja sooner than we we thought, and maybe we'll get a couple of Pokemon made legal that way. We'll get Greninja, we'll get maybe the Johto starters, or the Unova starters, or Sinnoh, or whatever. Or Hoenn, man, most of the starters are not legal. I just thought we had a lot of starters because all the starters that are legal are really just kicking butt in the current format. They're all so good. Um, but no, uh, there's a lot of starters left. So maybe we get some starters. Uh, maybe we get some other Pokemon just released kind of alongside home or something. Or they they just announced that they are going to be coming into the game on their own volition. But that just doesn't sound likely. I don't know. What is your thought, Steven? 
Are you going to go with the uh, the thought that legendaries are, the, I guess, the restricted legends are now legal? That's a hot take. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave that as a hot take, but my safer pick is uh, kind of like what you said is um, they're probably going to just incorporate, you know, multiple different lines of uh, starters uh, coming, being, being able to uh, come into Sword and Shield through home. And uh, that way, um, people will be able to use them in the next uh, series, so Series 6. Um, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but, uh, you know, they generally don't like having uh, starters in the wild. Um, yeah, like, even this game, like, Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, you cannot find in the wild. Um, like, actual in the wild. Um, same with the other uh, Alolan starters, or uh, Galarian starters. So, uh, maybe Gen 6 a lot for that, because they had those weird, uh, what are those called, those home those dens or whatever not dens the ranches i don't know like the the friend you remember oh those, wait the friend Gen yard six? Oh, that was uh in um x and y called? oh okay i thought you were talking about gen 5 the grotos oh, no, <laughs> so i was like it's, it's no, the, no, grotos. No, the grotos i was grotos, talking about um, in gen 6 you could exchange friend codes and every person had their own like type and that type uh sometimes I would, they were, uh, like, produce called starters. friend areas yeah whatever those are called but yeah. um I think, like, this is, it's one of the only, I guess, ways they want to be introducing starters into the game is just like, oh, you can breed them now. Um, so that's probably something that they would do. Otherwise, like, I don't really know what they would do if there is any change. So just so the uh, the casual players at home that do have all this information memorized don't uh, shoot us down, uh, Friend Safari is the name that you're looking for, Steven. Yes, thank you. It's been the a while. Friend Safari. I remember the Friend Safari. I remember uh, that was actually a pretty fun thing. I did enjoy it. Uh, though, oh, man, I, it was still a hassle. And, like, you know, I remember Ditto was the most coveted one and everyone yes. wanted it. And You wanted the normal-type oh, Friend Safari. I remember uh, I remember going on Nugget Bridge and there was, like, this big thread of uh, what type everyone had and people were exchanging friend codes. I know I had to uh, PM people to see, like, hey, do you want to trade friend codes so that I can get this type or these Pokemon from you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like that, that was really the only, uh, only time that that was allowed, but yeah, Steven and I are kind of in the same boat, just expecting maybe some starters, you know, maybe the starters will be made, uh, some starters will come into the game, uh, and be made legal. Uh, there are certainly some impactful ones, uh, like exclusively Greninja and maybe not the rest. Um, I don't know <laughs> how big a deal Infernape, Torterra, Empoleon, none of them. I don't think anything from Gen 5 or Gen 2 are going to make an impact. I mean, Empoleon has Defiant, and it's a water-steel type with a lot of uh, new tools now with Dynamax, so uh, I think Empoleon would actually be pretty impactful. That's fair. Uh, yeah, that the, there are some fun things that it can do. It can set up Max Geyser, it can boost its defenses, uh, Torterra can boost its special defense, and Fernate can boost its attack. Like there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun that could probably be had with them. Typhlosion can use eruption and just always have a 150 base power um, move to just fire off there. No pun intended. Um, yeah, like there's some fun stuff. Meganium still Meganium, sadly. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's just kind of like our theorying here. Uh, again, we'll have to, uh, kind of wait and see, the at the end of the month, that'll be post, uh, the August Players' Cup. Actually, does that bleed into September at all? What um, does, what does? Uh, the August stage of the Players' Cup. No, like, I think, uh, it, it's just it. It's over. This month. Yeah, so, so that'll be probably done before this Series 6 changes end up happening, and maybe that will bring something that'll, uh, 
I don't know, uh, re-engage a lot of people in VGC. I know me personally, there's nothing on the line right now. There's no uh, stakes. So I've just kind of been coasting. I've been hanging out doing other stuff. I've been playing a lot of uh, VG or not VGC, uh, Pokemon 1v1 uh, battles on the showdown ladder. That has been fun. Uh, and keeping me engaged in Pokemon a bit and in a different way. But uh, other than that, I've, I've kind of been... Uh, leaving VGC on the side. I, I think that the current format is very fun and I would love to uh, do more of it if we had some uh, official tournaments in place. I, I'm just not as interested in the uh, grassroots stuff right now. I want the uh, the stuff that means a lot and the, the, you know, the official tournaments. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. There are only 16 people left with uh, stakes in it um, to be competing. So hope I don't know. We'll see uh, in the coming weeks if we get any announcements for um what fall plans may look like but um just like in series five when we had the random introduction of the swords of justice um we'll see if series six gives us anything like that or uh, other starters or maybe nothing maybe it's just nothing and it's just like um that's the first series where we actually don't see any changes so um i don't know what to expect but it was fun to speculate here (laughs) and uh with that i think we're going to wrap up episode 99 here of our show and uh just say all the places you can uh find us and uh other things uh, like that. So we actually went over all the podcast platforms uh, you can find us on. So I'm not going to cover this at the end here. That was earlier in the show. So uh, I'll skip that part here. But uh, you can send your comments, questions, and feedback to our email, vgchyperboys at gmail.com. Uh, remember to uh, tell your friends about us so that they can discover the show about competitive Pokemon here. Um, you can also find the show on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, you can like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter at the Hypervoice. Uh, those accounts there. And, uh, you know, send us some uh, questions for episode 100 coming up. And uh, you can also just DM those to us as well on our personal Twitters. Um, you can follow me at Super Morioka. And Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Lexicon VGC. Awesome. The Harper Voice 100 is up next. Thank you, the listeners, so much for listening. And stay tuned for more of the Harper Voice. Alola. Alola.